And it's a big hello to everybody around this magnificent country of ours. We come to you on the Step Outside podcast. And if you saw our show today or if you didn't see our show today, you can catch up on 7 Plus. And it's all about that bass from board to bank and catching the iconic Australian native bass. And I've got online with me, as I mentioned today, we're going to get in a little bit more in depth. Stevie Wilkes from Sports Tuition. Good morning to you, mate. How are we going? Yeah, great. Thanks, Paul. Good morning to you. Hello, mate. Uh, thanks for your time today, buddy. Um, mate, we've, we've done a few uh, filming sessions over the past, uh, you know, getting out there and enjoying areas of uh, dams in southeast Queensland. And, of course, we can emulate the, these sorts of dams and push them into different areas because it's all very similar when we're targeting fish, realistically, isn't it? It's not much difference. No, it's pretty similar. I guess the only thing that changes is just whether it's the weather or, you know, whether it's the, um, the inflow into the dams. But generally, the principles remain the same. Yeah. Mate, tell me about sports tuition because, you know, when I, when I go fishing with you, I find this quite fascinating that you are the, the go-to guy. Sports tuition is the go-to company when it comes to school groups. And we're not talking, you know, twos or fives or tens or anything like that. We're talking hundreds, hundreds of kids out there enjoying what we try to put into them these days again, and that is enjoying the outdoors. Mate, tell me about sports tuition. How did that company come about? Mate, it's um, like I used to be a primary school teacher, so I taught in the classroom for 15 years. Okay. And then I just, I just wanted to build a business around things that I love doing, so Sports tuition, it sort of came about, we first started as, as a cricket coaching company. So that's why it's sports tuition. Right. So going back going back to 2000, I was teaching and I started doing cricket coaching after school. So we had, I started with 50 kids and we got to about 250 kids. And then after that, actually, funny story, Paul, our first paycheck for sports tuition, we couldn't bank it because we hadn't set up a, a, a bank account. Um, so going back like 21 years, <laughs> so we had to go to the first school and say, oh, can you change this check from sports tuition to um, just to cash? You know, because like starting off, I really, I really had no idea about business. I, yeah. I didn't. But that's the way it all started. And that's why it's sports tuition. Um, you know, people don't often think of fishing related to sports tuition, but that's how it's got its name and we've stuck with it. Yeah. Look, with the, yeah. I, yeah. I, so. I think it does, mate. It does. You know, I, I mean, it does stick with it. Yes. Um, and you're stuck with it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good, good um, sticking to be with, so to speak. You know, it's a great yeah, name. Yeah. And then so from cricket coaching, we started doing fishing weekends because I was working Monday to Friday. So we just worked with fishing weekends. And mate, I remember going to Hins Dam uh, four times by myself and yeah. not catching a fish. You know, there was one time, I think I was catching freshwater yabbies out of my parents' creek on their property, going down, just fishing off the bank. Yeah. No idea, no idea what I was doing. I, I got a yellow belly up close one time and the, the hook came off, you know, I didn't have my right knot. So I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. But at the time, there was a guy called Des Charles on, I think he was on Channel 7. I remember Desi um, Charles, yeah. When we established sports tuition, I knew, I had an idea I wanted to do father and son fishing. So at the time, I used to watch theirs on TV. So then one time, I just I, I just tracked his number down, gave him a call, and I said, look, Des, this is the idea I've got. What do you reckon? And he said, mate, I think that's a great idea. And he said, such a good idea. He said, the first weekend, I'll volunteer my time. 
So I think when we started, we had groups of people come join us for a father and son weekend. And at the time, people used all their own boats. Like, we didn't even have boats. So then Des said to me, look, he goes, I've got a couple of pontoon boats at Hins Dam. Because I think the first one we did at Maroon Dam. So then he goes, look, if you if you move it back to Hins, um, you can use my charter boats. I said, yeah, okay. So I actually volunteered my time with Des for the first three and a half years of the yeah. business and I just learned all my freshwater fishing off Des. So without Des, I, I wouldn't be where I am wow. today for sure. Wow. Um, and then I sort of built up my confidence. I started driving one of his charter boats, logging the hours for my coxswain ticket and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how, how it all started back in the early days. Mate, um, now you're doing school groups and taking them fishing in larger amounts. Tell me, what's the largest amount of school kids you've taken out in the water to target, you know, yellow belly bass, red claw, whatever it might be. Yeah, well, I've just come off 191 <laughs> last week or this week. Next week I got 170, and the week after I've got 308. Oh, so, mate, I got two. I got I got two kids. Right, I don't know how you do with yeah. 308. I'm thinking, oh my god, mate, I'll have no hair. <laughs> yeah, we're under the pump, under the pump for sure. But um. Actually, last week I was in charge, like my inshore charter boat's got a ski pole. So one of the activities is tube riding. So we don't, we don't, um, it's not all fishing. Actually, well, I've, I've got a couple of schools that just do all fishing, um, five day fishing programs, nothing but fishing. Yeah, cool. But most of our school camps will be doing fishing, tube rides. Mate, the tube rides, I've got that inshore charter boat with the 140 Suzuki and it's yep. probably the most popular activity. The yeah. kids love the tubing. Oh, mate, they do. My, uh, I know my two boys love getting out there behind the, the ski or whatever and, uh, you know, getting towed around the, the sand islands. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And the fishing's right behind it. Um, the kids just love driving the boat. So all the boats have 55-pound um, Mincoda electrics. Yeah, nice. So they, they obviously don't need a licence to drive those boats. So they're in, you know, a bit of independence, learning to drive a boat, having a fish. That's, that's super important to, to what I see when I'm out with you and I see with all these kids out on the water. In, in, like they're self-driving their boat. So they're, they're being taught at a very young age that how yes. to drive a boat and how to use common sense when on the water. Now, fair enough, they're not doing 25, 30 knots. They're, they're, they're on the electric engines. But what they're doing is yeah. they're, they're putting their own common sense and judgment into what they're doing, and that is targeting fish. That's so, right. You know, and I see many, many kids pulling up a bass or a yellow belly. How do you teach them? How do you – because, you know, my, my demographic that I like to talk to is people who are professionals out there, no bass fishing. You know, you, you guys, you're self-sufficient, but you, you're always going to learn and pick up tips and tricks along the way. But for people who are starting out, the people who are wanting to get into it, I'm sure this is going to prick their ears because how do you, in such a short amount of time, teach the kids what to do, how to catch fish? Well, it's, yeah, weighing up the situation, uh, assessing the conditions. And ba I, I think also if, if you're fishing a particular dam all the time, you, you keep track of where the fish are as well. Um, they don't move around a lot. Once they're in an area, you'll find you could go to that same area and catch bass after bass after bass. Like, um, yeah. There's not great movement in them. So I think that's the advantage to being on the water all the time. You know where the fish are. And sometimes, like, even with the big groups, like, we change our tactics. Like, um, quite often we use live shrimp as bait, use a paternoster rig, yeah. give instructions to the students, okay, you've got to drive out, um, tie up to those trees out to the right or to the left, whatever. Make sure your sinker gets to the bottom, your live shrimp's flapping around just above the weed, 
and basically keep your rod tip down. So just like very simple instructions and basically, yeah, the, the bass will grab it. They just need to lift their rod, set the hook and away they go, use the landing net to get it in. So I think freshwater fishing with large groups is quite simple. Probably a good thing too when it comes to large groups is that you're, you, you've, you're looking out there, you're seeing the kids in group A, for example, they're not catching anything, but group C are catching fish and they're getting a lot of them. So group A comes over to group C so to speak, and and therefore, yeah, right. you know, you've got more more lines in the water around the place picking up all of these these signs of catch of where the fish are being caught, and that's where you're going to head to. So, mate, the live shrimp that you use, I mean, that's a natural bait. How do you hook yeah. up a live shrimp? Because do people start at the tail and put the hook right through to the head, or they put them through their back? What's what's the deal? Well, funny you say that. Like the people that are used to using saltwater frozen prawns will do that all the time. Even if you say to them, when you put a shrimp on, just focus. You've got to get as far back in the tail as you can so you don't kill the shrimp. So basically as far back as you can, just pierce it through either side to side or up. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. As long as when you put it on the hook, it's still flapping about alive. Yeah. But even if you, and we always give a demonstration too, how to bait your hook. But there's all you go around and check, and quite often there's people that have just killed the shrimp straight away and just gut it, and you know. And I said, look, oh, I remember you, we did that demonstration, and they said, well, we've always done it like this. So you you can tell people, but yeah. sometimes they just do what they're used to doing, and you know they won't catch a fish if the if the shrimp's dead. You know, you you're very low chance of catching a fish. Mate, um, the the idea of a, a Pat Nosser rig is to clearly have that shrimp sort of dangling up off the bottom because the sink is on the bottom on a paternosa rig yeah and are you running one hook or two hooks what's what's the do you know the style uh, of the hook just, that you're just, just yeah just the one hook we if we're using shrimp it's basically a one ball sinker and the size four big mouth mustard hook yes um yeah that that's i've used the same hook for 20 years i haven't changed the hook Mate, that's a um, that's a very wide gape, but then it comes down to a short yeah. little hook on the insert. It's a, quite a, 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 a unique little hook that thing, um, but um, yeah. you sort of wonder how it hooks the fish. But clearly, it, it works very well. Mate, um, what about when it comes to striking? Because I know with bass, if you particularly with the patnosseri, do you let the rod do the work? And, and what sort of weight rods are you running? Yeah, we're we're using pretty light gear. So with the line, we've pretty much got all ten pound braid and 12 to 15 pound leaders on them um and i i think you don't have to strike too much they pretty much hook themselves but if you have your rod if you are bait fishing we always say keep your rod tip down in the water and the bass will take it and your rod will go and it'll take it again and when it takes it again just lift the rod up and just want keep a steady wind you don't have to do a lift and wind um just keep a steady wind leave the fish in the water use the landing net to scoop it up so it's pretty simple. Mm, that's it. And they've no. got super sharp uh, gill rakers on the bass too. How do you go with handling the fish, mate? Yeah, so we just we just tell the students and also the parents that come along, uh, just if you stick your thumb in the bottom lip of the fish, those wide gape hooks, 99% of the hookups are in the top lip. So stick your thumb in the bottom lip. Um, use your other hand to support the base of the fish if you need to. But basically, just once, once you've got your thumb in the bottom lip, just use your other hand to take the hook out from the top lip. Uh, it's all pretty simple. It's but good... Paul, like I said, with the yeah. conditions, we actually haven't used shrimp for a little while because when when the dam got so low, yeah. 
Um, all the fish went away from the edges around all the structure with the timber, as I was talking about yeah. previously. And we're just sitting in the middle of the dam along the, the river line, so the, or the creek line. So we've just been trolling lures up and down through the centre of the dam the last few camps. And that, that works really well as well. What sort of lures would you use in that situation, Steve? Mate, so one, deep divers. We've been using the deep divers that will get down. Like in the centre of the dam there, you hit pockets where it's about 12 metres. A lot of it's about 8 metres. Yep. Um, so you need you need a lure to get down 5 or 6 metres in that range. But also lipless crankbaits like jackals, like the dark-coloured jackals have been working well. And also spinner baits. Spinner bait's probably the most versatile lure for freshwater fishing. It's something you can cast and retrieve, but also troll. So it's um, it's it's quite a versatile lure. They are a weird looking lure too. I mean, you know, the, the, there's a lot of metal. We always talk about don't show metal on the on the bait. Yeah. Yet the spinner yeah. the spinner bait is 99.9% metal with some with some plastic rubber hanging off the hook, but it yeah, it works right. well. It works a treat. It works a treat. What about colours, mate? Uh, spinnerbaits, purple's my go-to colour. Yeah, so. Uh, with the lipless, we've got your blacks and purples and the gold. Spinnerbaits also, like the green, like we had a camp a couple of camps back. One of the teachers had just kept hooking up on a green spinnerbait. Okay. So I think it just depends on the conditions, but I would go to dark first before I went to a lighter colour. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I know yeah. that I know the, the the biblis lures such as TN sixties. That, that's a fantastic lure. That you I know yeah. you, you, probably one that you wouldn't think about trolling a, a vibe. You know, you know, particularly in the depth of, of water that we're fishing. But do you have to? I'd imagine you drop the lure back a long way, and then do you yeah. flick the tip as you go or anything, or are you trying to keep yeah. your rod tip down? Let it out gradually. So if you're trolling, you might cast out initially, let a bit out and then keep tr- keep moving and then let a bit more out and then let a bit more out. So gradually put it down because otherwise it's just going to, if you just throw it out and let it sink, well, there's your chance of snagging up straight away. So yeah. um, just gradually feed it out. So you want to be at least 20 metres behind the boat. Occasionally like those um, TN60s, they, they've got plenty of ball bearings in them too so you can give, it, give the rod a bit of a jerk every now and then or make that sound going through the water with the vibration. So but, you know, you don't have to do anything as well. Those those type of lures are pretty good, but you just have them in the water and keep your rod tip down in the water. If you keep your rod tip down trolling, it's obviously going to help the lure get a bit deeper as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And mm. what about barbless hooks? Do you take the uh, do you squash the barbs down on the hooks, mate? Is that a recommendation of yours? I don't. Okay, I do. <laughs> because yeah, I, got, I, know I got you hooked do. up recently. I know you do. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's, you know, it's, if you're t- targeting a fish and you're handling fish, and there's a hook in their mouth, and your finger is literally a centimetre away from that hook. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I can tell you, after that last story we did, he crushed a couple of those hooks. I think the next camp we had, a teacher was onto that and dropped his fish. And <laughs> he I dropped thought, was that purple Louis you were using. I thought, bloody Paul. Yeah. you got to, yeah, you definitely, I, definitely got to keep the rod tip bent, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think because, you know, if people lift it, you know, if they're inexperienced anglers and they are lifting and wine, they think they're deep sea fishing, any yeah. little chance the bass gets, they're going to jump off that hook. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, but like if you're an experienced angler, sure, crimp your hook, so it's no problems. But, um, yeah, Mate, for, the pe- for the general public. What about when it comes to, um, you know, looking for structure? Say you don't have a sounder, because the sounder is so important when it comes to, you know, fishing, looking for the old riverbed that you mentioned, because the riverbed is the, it's the last place of where the water's going to lie when a dam is receding out, okay? So with yeah. the, the water levels dropping, obviously that V section, the bottom part is where the fish are going to congregate in, of course, and of course that's the spot where you'd want to be 
trolling or casting. Mate, yeah. um, if, if you don't have a sounder, what are other signs that you want to look for if you're casting around a, around a river or, or, a, uh, or a bank or anything like that for bass? What's, what's something that yeah. you would recommend? I would recommend definitely st- structure, so timber. Mm. Whether It might be um, you know a tree that's sort of half out of the water you think could be lying down or it could be like a standing timber. It could be like creeks running in. So there's little, uh, there's a could be a food source sort of coming into a little creek part of the dam. Uh, there could be lily pads around in particular dams with uh, weedy areas and things like that. You can cast the edge of the weed line. Yeah, just you got to look for where the fish could be hiding as well. And that's a good thing uh, with the spinnerbaits because the spinnerbait, it, it, you don't get a lot of, you do get snags with them, but you don't get a lot of snag because you've got that metal in front with the with the blade turning that you can, you'll feel the bumps of the timber as you as you drag over it. You do get snags, of course, with everything, but yeah. uh, but it is a lure yeah. that you could probably cast to the bank around lily pads or to trees and then just do that nice steady retrieve and and of course you want to feel the vibration through that tip don't you absolutely yeah so if that vibration stops you know you've probably picked up a little bit of weed so you need to just line it in and take take that off the hook because it does any little hook up on those trebles yeah. and and the spinner baits um it affects the way the lure swims. Yeah. So it's important that you do like a perfection loop at the front of the lure as well, so the the lure is not impeded by a knot. Yes. You know, so you've got to make sure the lure is swimming the way the manufacturer has designed it to swim. Yep. That's important. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. People will just tie a uni knot or a double blood knot or a lock blood knot, whatever, and tie it up. Yeah. Uh, but that yeah okay. So perfection loop in front of the lure is going to be a key for it and. And try maybe try to avoid. Um, I don't like using snap swivels on small lures or anything like that, really, because that little bit of metal in front just impedes the action. You'd rather have that nice loop, I guess. I think so. That's our preferred method. Mm. Yes. Okay, mate. Rod, yeah. rod weight, and um, and I know you're talking about the line class and all that before, but so the one to three kilo sort of outfit, you know, maybe that twenty five hundred size reel is going to be better because it's one, it's light. You're not going for a 400-pound marlin, but we're yeah, going for right. something to have a bit of fun with. Yeah, exactly. That's all you need. Light that's ass. All you need. Mate, what about... Yeah, light. What, when you... Um, a lot of people are against, you know, cooking up different fish species, and I've tried using uh, bass and cooking them up. Yellow belly, I, I really appreciate. Yellow belly, they're beautiful eating fish, but... Mate, how do yeah. you do your, your bass at the end of the day? I know you do fish filleting and cooking for the kids. Yeah, so first, first, if we are keeping, some of our groups do fish and chips for dinner. So part of the process, the educational process, is teach them how to fillet fish. Yeah. So even our high school students, um, they have a go at fish filleting. Uh, and then we so fill, take the fillet off, skin it, make sure, do a double check, there's no more bones. Cut the fish into some pieces, and then the student's job is always to breadcrumb as well. So we go through the flour, egg, we've got panko breadcrumbs, and we deep fry it. And we sort of cut it into pieces so it cooks a bit quicker too for the large group. So, um, uh, and just some shoestring fries. So we can feed a group pretty quickly. <laughs> with fish and chips. Mate, um, do, do you add a lot of salt? The bass needs salt to get that little bit of more kick into it. No, we don't. We don't. Okay. The kids like chicken salt on their chips. Yeah, they yeah, love chicken, chicken salt. Chips. <laughs> <laughs> but with the bass, no. And I think I think the key is if it's fresh, like if you if you catch a fish and a couple of hours later it's cooked and eaten, like people will say it's the best tasting fish they've ever had. Unreal. You know, like um, not for me, not for me, but people that just come and they'll, you know, for the first time and yep. they can't believe how tasty it is. And I just think it's because it's fresh. 
I know, agree. It's literally just pulled out of the dam. We're talking a matter of hours. Yes. Um, I would definitely not freeze a piece of bass and eat it down the track. I'd never do that. But um, yeah, quite often we eat it fresh. There's no problems. It's um, not too bad at all. We don't. We we never have any complaints. I tell you that for fresh fish. <laughs> yeah. Mate, I, the the fish I I cooked the bass up recently and it was um it was it was nice. I enjoyed it. But the yellow belly next door to it that we cooked up was phenomenal. What what's yeah. your what's your go to fish out west, mate? If you're catching yellow belly over bass, or you you don't really mind? I don't really mind. They're both. They're not too. I don't think they're too dissimilar. Like the yellow yeah. belly teams, you know, that flakes a little bit with the flesh, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but they're both, I think they're both pretty similar. Mate, um, I've got to say th- thank you so much for your time there, Steve. I, I know, uh, mate, you're under the pump there with taking all the school groups out. And, of course, when it comes to uh, anyone out there listening, if you want to get in touch with Steve, just jump onto the Sports Tuition website. You'll find all his contact details. But it is something there that if you ever want to go fishing and, and understand what to look for and what to do, and you're just starting out, it's those key tips that we've just spoken about that you can put into practice and hopefully enhance the next time you go for a fish and wet a line. Steve, thanks for your time this morning, mate. Greatly appreciate it, buddy. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks, Paul. Good on you, mate. There you have it, everyone. Steve Wilkes there from Sports Tuition and wraps us up for another Step Outside podcast. And uh, I hope you have a great week, whatever you are doing. And, of course, if you want to get all your gear, jump on down to your local Anaconda store. They have everything that we've spoken about, and the team there will be more than happy to assist you. Until next time, when we step outside, as we always love to say... Drop the music here. May your rod bend often. See you later, everyone. Have a good one.